But what really, really helped it along considerably was the inventor walked away. And by everybody's uh, analysis that knows how to look at this stuff, he had a, about a million Bitcoin and they've never been moved, which is essentially is they've never been spent. So here you got a guy who creates this monetary system. He even, he even made the first 50 Bitcoin that he mined by himself unspendable because it's like, I'm not giving myself any advantages here. So when he got his you know million Bitcoins to help him mine it, he wasn't the only one working on the network. So it wasn't just him getting any of them. He just got a lot because it was very few people. But he also walked away from the project and, and never spent any of those Bitcoin. And so what had to happen because he did that was this thing had to last on its own without a leader. Let's absolutely go. My name is Patrick and welcome to the Bitcoin Pitch Podcast, where I'll chat with anyone in Bitcoin. I don't care if you're a pleb, anon, or OG, you'll be giving us your Bitcoin elevator pitch and answer some quick hitting Bitcoin questions that will be beneficial to newcomers. The goal of the show is to keep it short and sweet for all those people you are trying to orange pill. Today's guest is Surfer Jim. Surfer Jim is a lifelong surfer and entrepreneur who is passionate about Bitcoin and freedom. Here's my conversation with Surfer Jim. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Surfer Jim, for coming on today. I uh, really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to chat Bitcoin and a little bit about your story. Um, so, yeah, really appreciate it. No problem. Glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Uh, so to kind of get in into it, um, can you give some background about yourself Um Maybe also how you got the name Surfer Jim, and then sure. how you also got into Bitcoin. So Surfer Jim is a name given to me from a friend who used to just always introduce me that way. Uh, when we would go out, meet up with people out at bars or parties or whatnot, and I was talking to her and someone would come up that maybe didn't know me. She'd say, do you know Surfer Jim? And uh, she's like the only one that really called me that, but she did it for so many years. And when I was making a Twitter profile, I was thinking, what am I going to call myself? And I identify as a surfer, 47 years of surfing. It's like I, I live my life around surfing and, and, you know, I just identify as a surfer first more than anything else. So I was just like, all right, I'll just call myself Surfer Jim on Twitter. Who's going to care? And, uh, you know, so it stuck. I, I was already... You know, I set up my Twitter account after I heard somebody on a Bitcoin podcast say, if you want to learn about Bitcoin, you got to get on Twitter. And I went, ah, what? I don't want to do that crap. I don't do social media. I don't have Facebook. I didn't do any of that stuff. But I did it not thinking much of it. And of course, it's been, well, not of course, but for me, it's been very interesting. It's been a great learning experience. I've met lots of people and I communicate with a lot of people in there. So I picked the name and then it just stayed that way. I wasn't going to change it once it was up there. So... But anyway, my my background as a kid growing up, I took everything apart because I wanted to know how it worked inside. And it was just a natural curiosity. And no one told me to do it. My parents used to buy me little plastic models to put together. So I learned how to build things. And I started to understand first principles of mechanics. And I could figure out how things how one thing worked by knowing how something else worked. Once you learn about how electric motors work, both AC and DC, that that'll help you you know, understand how other machines work and you can also diagnose and potentially fix things. And so that was just my nature. Um, I also had a, a strong aversion to authority. Um, I hated cops my whole life and 
they really never did anything bad to me. I just didn't like being told what to do. Hated when my parents told me what to do and said, you know, and I'd say, why? And they'd say, because I said so. Because <laughs> uh, I also had this, you know, I guess growing up and looking at things, they made sense. Everything had logic to it. When you look at how something works, you can see like, oh, I see why this button, once you push it on the outside, what goes on on the inside happens. You see logic. And so when someone says to me, just do it because I said so, I, I want to know why. I want to know what's the logic. So those factors, when I that, that part of my nature, when when I heard about Bitcoin for the third time, unfortunately, I, I, I didn't pay attention the first two times. Um, but on the third time, I heard about it in connection with trust, a girl on a TED talk. And whatever she said caught my attention because I've had this construction company where I wouldn't be in business if they didn't trust me. And I had to maintain the ability to pe for people to trust me. And the easiest way to do that is just do what you say you're going to do and do good quality work and honor your contracts and fix it if you if you broke it or if it didn't last, you know, whatever it is, just be honest and People tell their neighbors to hire you because, you know, he finished the job. He did it on time. He did it for the price he said, whatever it might be. I would, I would ask new customers, why are you hiring me? You know, what, what did the last guy do wrong? And just, okay, mental note, don't do that wrong, you know, because maybe you'll survive if you do the right things and not the wrong things. So I knew that trust was a big deal um, in running my business. And, and when I heard this woman talk about Bitcoin and tying it to trust and ultimately how you can trust the system to work, uh, but you don't need to trust any people. And I was like, well, that's unique. That's pretty cool. And like, how do I trust the system? And that got me really down the rabbit hole of, I got to figure out how this thing works. Because for me, I had to understand how it worked in order for me to be able to know, you know, um, what were all its features, its limitations, you know, like every every item that's produced has, you know, it's, it's built for a reason, but it, it can't do everything. It, you know, it's got its limitations, whatever. So I just needed to know, like, what was this thing going to do for me? What was it maybe not going to do for me? Why should I care? You know, whatever, whatever. Of course, thinking about the idea that if you buy some, it might go up in value someday was certainly helped keep me intrigued. But I wasn't going to just buy it because somebody said that. I needed to know how it worked. I spent six months studying it. Once I could really understand it, like it was like an epiphany moment, like, holy crap, this is hugely unique. Like I got to get some. So I had to, I, you know, I got a couple hundred dollars worth just to own some. And then I felt comfortable telling people because if they say, well, do you have some, you know, like, you know, I'm going to be, of course I do. I wouldn't tell you to get some if I didn't. So I couldn't tell anybody to get some until I owned some. And then for me to own some, I had to really put a lot of time into studying. So I never really got into any of the cryptocurrencies. I dabbled a little in trading on Coinbase where I first got Bitcoin because Litecoin and Ethereum were there. But that was it. And I at first thought they were equivalent. But luckily for me, I kept paying attention to the right people and I was able to um uh, notice and judge the differences early enough that I never got too sidetracked. I had money in those those two different things in Coinbase, never in custody. I never owned either one of them on a hardware wallet or anything, but I was just trying to be a trader, uh, you know, when I first got into it, because it didn't look that hard. I'm like, oh, you know, I see people making money on the internet, like maybe I could do this. Of course, most people who try to trade get wrecked. And I realized pretty early, I didn't get wrecked, thankfully. I was smart and I was careful and I didn't trade a lot or whatever. 
So I got out, you know, without losing really any money. And, and uh, I just said, screw this. I'm just going to hold Bitcoin. I don't, don't want to. And I don't care about the other stuff. So in a nutshell, that's uh, that's sort of how I got here. And that, you know, I probably had that epiphany moment somewhere before the it was before the Bcash fork in um, I want to say August of 2017. So I, I, I had heard about that coming and I go, I got to get some Bitcoin before that happens. For some reason, it felt like important. So it was in July, I'm pretty sure, of 2017 when I finally bought some Bitcoin and I was in. And But then, you know, it's, I was so convinced by then that it was no looking back. It's just been like plowing along for four and a half years now. Like I can't, I can't get enough of Bitcoin myself. Like I'm constantly learning, but I can't shut up about it. If anybody asks me, I'm, I'll talk their ear off all night. So on to the next question before I do that with you. (laughs) Hey, I feel like I'm the same way with that. You know, you know, I I feel like my wife is kind of into it, um, but you're lucky. Mine wasn't. That's why I'm divorced. Seriously. (laughs) It's it's a seriously main reason her and everybody in her family thought I was kind of crazy. And I don't blame them because one of the things I learned, and this is important for anybody listening, if you're outside of your lane in life, People are not necessarily going to take you seriously. If they care about you and they like you, they're not going to they're not going to put you down to your face. But they're also not going to listen to you, especially when it's about their finances. And especially if they're doing better financially than you, let's say, like some of my extended family have good careers and made good money. And they're not going to listen to me about where they should put their money. I'm a carpenter. I build houses. Now I do okay financially, but I'm not a financial consultant. So so I realized early on. So I I pulled back with trying to. Uh, orange pill my family and my extended family um, you know I'll talk about it with them if they want to talk about it but with strangers and anybody who brings it up for as long as they can tolerate me I try not to I try to watch and make sure I'm not annoying them <laughs> you know sometimes I got to just shut up but there's so much to know you know unfortunately there's a lot to know about Bitcoin so you can talk for a long time once you know a lot you can answer a lot of questions I don't mind doing that so as long as someone will engage with me I'll keep talking yeah, I think I think my my wife at least puts up with it. I don't know how much she likes it, but um, it's funny when it comes up if I'm at like her parents' house or family gathering and someone brings it up to me because they know like I'm into it. And Does she like, roll her eyes? Like, oh Uh-oh, yeah, here uh, it comes. Yep, yeah, every time. So it's it's funny and yeah, yeah, and I feel like doing like what I'm doing now with podcasts is just a good way to at least just talk about it with someone else who's interested in it too. So. Yeah. Um, Get a fix, you get your little <laughs> yeah. fix, you know. Look, I do every Friday night. I do a Zoom call with people from all over the country and some from out of the country uh, through this guy Al's Lacrosse. He has a Telegram channel, and <clears throat> it's been over a year, year and a half, and it's pretty much every Friday night. And a lot of the same people show up. So these are like my real friends, honestly. Like I see them every week, and we talk for hours all way into the night because everybody's in different time zones. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely a fix. I totally look forward to it every Friday night. It doesn't get recorded. It's just us hanging out, talking. Yeah. At least I know I could talk to real Bitcoiners that know what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Yeah. So if you could kind of talk about surfing a little bit and how you can't cheat in surfing and how that kind of compares to Bitcoin. Uh, yeah. So in surfing, and this is probably going to apply to a lot of things in life, you, you've got physics working for you. Um, you can't. If, if someone's going to come watch you surf, if you can't paddle and stand up and maneuver the board along the wave, even if you do it really badly, if you can't do that, you can't say that you can surf. It's just that simple. 
Um, and that is very hard to get to that point. Like a lot of people could stand on a skateboard and you could push them along and they don't have to have a huge amount of balance. And they could say, well, I could ride a skateboard a little, but to actually ride a surfboard, you can't just start from a standing position, stand on the board and have somebody push you unless it, you're really small and the board's really big. Little kids get that, that privilege and their parents take them out. But the point is for you to paddle yourself, stand up and then turn the board and keep adjusting the board as the wave is moving takes a huge amount of effort and experience and trial and error because every single wave is a little different. Um, your, your muscle memory takes a long time to figure out, you know, exactly how to jump up and get your feet in the right spot every time. And then uh, based on the way the waves move in, how to stay into the, the part of the wave that's going to keep you, you know, where the, where the power is, where the, where the, where you can make your maneuvers that, you know, there's, there's so many different things about surfing and the physics. So like waves are produced by wind blowing over the ocean over a certain period of time, over a certain distance. Those are the factors is the distance, the fetch, the speed of the wind um, and the time over which it blows that produces waves of different sizes uh, based on the combination of those things. And when the waves get to the beach, the leading edge of the wave. So in deep ocean water, you could have a 10 foot swell and be out on a boat and barely notice it. But when it gets to the, when it gets to the coast, the leading edge of the, of the wave. So here's another point of fact that most people would never know. Big enough waves can be felt a thousand feet deep in the ocean. The energy, the ripple effect, like if you could put something down there floating in the water column, you'd see it going up and down, just like the waves on the surface. So just like plants on the bottom of the, of the ocean. So what's happening is when the wave gets to the coast, the leading edge slows down and the trailing edge catches up and it rises up. And that rising up is so hard to figure out when you're out surfing because you're paddling, the thing's rising up behind you, you're looking over your shoulder and you're trying to get your board up to the same speed as the wave is going towards the beach. But you got to do it in a little zone where the, where the wave will push you, but it's not breaking yet. And then, you know, you can't have the ride that you're looking for. So there's so much effort. And so there's just no cheating that. You, it just takes so much trial and error, so much trying. And you can't, like, you want to practice a golf swing, put a ball down in front of you on a tee and try a million times. And nothing changes but you, but you, really. I mean, maybe the wind or something. But with surfing, you got you that's moving and trying to adjust to a constantly moving playing field literally like imagine if football players were playing on a field that was rippling up and down constantly when they're trying to, you know, throw a pass and the ripples in a different spot this time, like you can't plan anything, right? It's just totally different. So with Bitcoin, um, you, you know, the sense it's different in the sense that it's, it's got nothing to do with physics or the physical world or sports or anything like that, but you can't cheat because, the system doesn't allow for it essentially like without getting into the details about how bitcoin works um if you are uh, operating your own computer that can check the blockchain yourself nobody could send you a bitcoin that's invalid because you because you don't have to trust them you could trust your copy of the blockchain that everybody else has and you can verify their transaction or their bitcoin because you can verify its history back to the day it was created because if you've got a full copy this is what we call having your own full node so there is this is why you don't have to trust anybody in bitcoin now i say that because you don't have to trust anybody if you're willing to do the work to understand every every aspect of bitcoin meaning you need to learn how to read and write the code 
so that you don't have to have somebody read it for you and tell you what it's doing. I can't read and write code. I have to trust other people to tell me what it's doing. But my the evidence is it does what everybody says it does. I've seen that happen in my life over four and a half years. So I do trust the code and I trust a lot of smart people to help me understand the code and tell me when I need to make changes to anything re relative to the code or any or or anything around it. And so that I believe I'm working within a system that once you set yourself up correctly, you don't have to trust anybody, uh, but you can trust that it's working. And, um, you know, I, I don't know that it's an exact comparison to surfing, but, um, you know, with surfing, if you're going to get a ride, you have to go through the effort, the work that it takes. And then your the ride is your proof that you did the work. Um, with Bitcoin, the system is created only because people have actually done work in the real world and used electricity to help maintain this system. And so we can trust that the Bitcoins that are out there were created because somebody did some work. It's not just out of thin air. Somebody created them, poof, magic, like U.S. dollar gets created every day. So there's a, there's some parallels, some unique parallels that I, I sort of came to me as a surfer as I'm trying to analyze Bitcoin and how it relates to things and, you know, potentially use a metaphor to help somebody understand it. So I hope that covers it. Yeah. And it's super interesting uh, when you kind of compare it to something like that. And I would say like, you know, the proof of work is similar to anything, like you said, like not just surfing anything, like it's not yeah. like, like, yeah, maybe Le LeBron James, you know, he's kind of like a freakish athlete, like he's a big guy and everything, but he put in all, all the hard work that he needed to get to where he is today. And yeah. that's, similar to anything that anyone becomes an expert at yeah you could say that about any quality in the world like even good quality is a result of trial and error somebody doing a lot of work failing enough times and figure out we got to change this material we gotta you know use some different fastener because things keep breaking whatever it might be you know this is where engineers figure out you know the strength of a steel beam that'll hold up a building you know trial and error and getting it to where you can trust it you know that requires a whole bunch of work effort from humans figuring stuff out you know yeah definitely um so to kind of get to our, our next question um and yeah you kind of talked about it a little bit how bitcoin's different from other coins um i guess why bitcoin over all other cryptocurrencies i feel like that question um kind of comes up when it's someone new, like learning about the space of I mean, it is a, there's a ton of different other cryptocurrencies out there. And I guess if you could talk about, you know, how Bitcoin was almost uh, immaculately conceived. Yeah. So my understanding of all of this after studying this, there's a lot of stuff I've literally learned in the last four and a half years. Um, I routinely tell people that the most important concept humans ever came up with was the concept of money and then we turned it into physical things and so and and i say that because money has allowed humanity to flourish right having a medium of exchange and being able to specialize in one thing allows us to prosper in ways we couldn't if you had to do everything yourself if you had to build your own house and catch your own food and do every right so it, we have benefited by coming to the realization that if we can create something called money and work with it, we're going to do better. Now, money's been in lots of forms and it got corrupted, but Bitcoin, uh, in, my, in my opinion, is the best money that humanity has ever created. So as a money, as a, as a tool we call money, Bitcoin to me is the best one. Now, why is it the best one? Well, a couple of reasons. Um, it does what money needs to do 
right? It needs to be scarce, it needs to be portable, divisible, recognizable, fungible, all these qualities that we as humans have recognized money needs to have. But um, why does it stand out from the other cryptocurrencies? The reason is because when Bitcoin was created, there were no cryptocurrencies, there were no digital currencies except for you know the digital money that fiat uh, is represented with. And so that's just an extension of government money and, and, and it's run by a central authority who keeps track of it all. But Bitcoin, uh, the, Satoshi Nakamoto, the, the inventor of Bitcoin, at least that, that's who it, uh, the pseudonym that he went by, um, he figured out a way to take that centralization away and um, allow for the, uh, the system to take care of itself in a decentralized way. And this was, the, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to be, there's so many technical levels and I'm trying to avoid getting technical on it. But in the end, for like 30 or 40 years, um, computer scientists were trying to figure out a way to make a digital money that can't be copied, but without a central authority that you have to trust. And Satoshi did that. Uh, so that was the very first time it was done. And because it was the first time it was done, um, it was the only system out there for anybody to work with to try and make it happen. So people tried and it started to get value. People started to say, this could actually work and it started to get value. Then somebody said, well, wait a minute, you know, we could just copy this thing because one of the features that it needed to have was it needed to be trustable, right? So that anybody could read the code. You can't hide it because then how can you trust it, right? So right from the get-go, he knew that you had to make it, you had to expose it to people and let them see it. But as soon as you did that, somebody could copy it. So one of the things you learn about is uh, something called network effects. When you get into Bitcoin, you realize that things will last when they get like a really big network effect, no matter how many competitors come along, even if they're a little better at times, because everybody won't just collectively switch. And um, so what Bitcoin did was it established the protocol for digital money where you didn't have to trust somebody in, in, in the middle of it all. But what really, really helped it along considerably was the inventor walked away and by everybody's uh, analysis that knows how to look at this stuff he had a, about a million bitcoin and they've never been moved which is essentially is they've never been spent so here you got a guy who creates this monetary system he even he even made the first 50 bitcoin that he mined by himself unspendable because it's like I'm not giving myself any advantages here. So when he got his you know, million Bitcoins to help him mine it, he wasn't the only one working on the network. So it wasn't just him getting any of them. He just got a lot because it was very few people. But he also walked away from the project and, and never spent any of those Bitcoin. And so what had to happen because he did that was this thing had to last on its own without a leader. It had to. Now, there were people who tried to lead. Uh, Gavin Andreessen was the first guy because that's who basically had control of the, um, I don't know, what uh, the, the talk, the uh, Bitcoin forum, whatever it was, wherever people learned about Bitcoin, you know, whatever medium it was on, I don't even know because I wasn't around back then. But he was more or less in charge. And even Satoshi said, you know, why don't you be, in, why don't you handle questions or whatever, whatever the trade off was. But it was as if Gavin Andreessen was in charge at this point, but there were enough other people involved that he couldn't just say what he wanted because everybody knew he wasn't the, the originator, you know? So like enough smart people got involved and, you know, enough of the right decisions got made luckily. And this all happened when nobody was paying attention. The government wasn't paying attention. The average person wasn't paying attention. And this thing got network effects. It got enough people around the world to care about it and start using it as a money 
and um, tr- kept keeping it decentralized. No, no, uh, you know, all changes needed to be backward compatible. So you were never going to kick somebody off the network who didn't want to take an upgrade. There was so many unique little things that were done with not only Satoshi, but the uh, the group of people who tried to keep it going in the early years and who, who keeps it going now. There's enough of the right ideology uh, of, of people in this space to keep this thing what it is. That is, nobody gets to change it without everybody agreeing. Um, uh, what else? I mean, you know, like just the idea that, that any changes that get proposed have to be completely fair and give nobody an advantage over anybody else. It's very unique ideology amongst the people who care about this thing. All the people who have copied Bitcoin and created altcoins, not only do they have a couple, a handful of people in charge, you know, like a board of directors, a CEO, I mean, whatever, it's just centralized. And then getting into the technical part, there's nothing a blockchain can do except be a money. That's it. Honestly, there is really no other reason. People want to say, oh, my blockchain will track, you know, the price of beef in, in Kansas or whatever. Every time you try to tie anything to the out, uh, from the outside world onto the blockchain, you need to trust the third party to go look in the world and see if that thing actually exists or whatever. And then if you got a claim to it, who's going to enforce that claim? The thing on the Bitcoin network is everything is done within the system and the claims and the penalties and everything that is part of Bitcoin is enforced by the system with nobody having to flip a switch or take a vote. It just happens on its own. Every single bit of the system happens on its own. And every other altcoin has a bunch of people behind it, change it, turning the knobs, adding bells and whistles, doing whatever they want. You can't use a blockchain for anything but moving, creating, moving, and keeping track of digital files. And you can have those digital files be a representation of money but nothing else until you introduce a third party who's going to tie that thing to something else. So none of these old coins are ever going to be money because not only did Bitcoin figure it all out, it's the simplest, most bare bones, basic uh, system. All we really need, it's completely decentralized. No one's in charge. The founder left this so many things and it's got worldwide network effects that will never, ever, ever be overtaken by any of these old coins. So in the end, they're all garbage. They're all going to zero. Every single one, including Ethereum, will be worthless one day. Once the majority of humanity wakes the hell up to the fact that it's just a big shell game, they're just moving tokens around for no really good reason and trying to create something, they still haven't figured it out. They're still not sure what it even really is. ETH2 is always coming. They just keep pushing it off. It's really comical when you really, really look at it. And I've had four and a half years to look at it and it's freaking comical. So there is nothing but Bitcoin that matters. Whoever's listening to this, don't waste your time. But if you do want to waste your time, recognize you're going to come back to Bitcoin one day if you're honest with yourself and you really do the homework and study it. Yeah, it's a, <clears throat> it's super interesting um, to talk about because I've had discussions with people about like Ethereum, for example. And, um, you know, yeah, I mean, something could come out of like maybe something could come out of it. I don't know, but like, it's it's tough. It's tough to say. Like like you said, it's so centralized. There was a so pre, let me there's just a add, pre mine in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. There's so many things. Yeah, yeah. but I I just want to say, I said Ethereum's going to zero. Okay, I could be <laughs> wrong. People could keep Ethereum around just like. American Airlines gives you uh, mileage points that you can use to, to do something specific with. As long as you're okay with having some Ethereum tokens 
that they could change the the mechanism someday. They could change the functionality. You know, like if you have airline miles, they could just decide, you know, 100 gets you this this year, but next year you need 200 for the same thing. You know, whatever, because they control the system. As long as you're okay with that and you want to play with that stuff and you think there's some value, good luck. It's not going to be money. It's not going to be the world's money. It's not going to be the one uh, store of value, um, unit of account, and uh, medium of exchange for the entire planet. There will only be one of those, and that will be Bitcoin. Like if you're going to have money that everybody could use, you only want one. So everybody could communicate. And so which one's going to win out? The only one that's ever going to have even the slightest chance of winning out is Bitcoin. Yeah. No, I, I tend to definitely agree. It's And also, like, if you're storing, if you're just trying to store your value, like, there's nothing, there's nothing better. Like, it, it's almost, in my mind, it's like a sure thing, like, for Bitcoin. Like, why even, you know, the, the like, what is it, 200% uh, year over year, like, returns? Like, mm-hmm like obviously that's just the first like 12 years or whatever and it could it's not guaranteed that in the future but you know it's uh, to me it's much more stable and like you, you see like traders and stuff talking about how like you know they're obviously trading all these altcoins and everything but like they're definitely like without a doubt 100 their treasury is bitcoin like that's that's all they're trying to do like all these big traders and everything um, if they if they understand the difference, they're using the altcoins to get dollars to mm-hmm. trade them for Bitcoin. And, in you know, I'm not against anybody acquiring Bitcoin in any legal, ethical way that humanity has decided is OK. Like trading is is legal. If you want to be a dumb dumb and put your money up and let somebody smarter than you take it because you don't know how to trade and they do. Okay, buyer beware, you know, like I don't really have a problem with that. I have a problem with people cheating and lying and having background and, you know, insider information Mm -hmm. and trading on that. And you don't have that. I don't like any of that stuff. And probably a lot of that goes uh, goes on in the trading world. So I I wouldn't trade for for those reasons alone. Um, Part of me doesn't like it because I don't like anything that keeps all coins alive, because to me, it just takes away from the inevitability that the world needs, which is the adoption of Bitcoin, which will help all of humanity, in my opinion. Like once everybody has a sound money, wars will disappear and people will get along better. The world should get way better. But we have to all get there. And that's going to take a long time because a lot of people are distracted. There's a lot of things in life to be distracted by. But just the cryptocurrency space, there's I just heard today like 14,000 cryptocurrencies. That's incredible. Like, yeah. What are they all doing? Like, what are they all doing? That doesn't yeah. make any sense. But it's just, it, but this is the part I don't like. Those people are unscrupulous pump and dumpers. They are, they are taking advantage of new people who hear about either Bitcoin or Ethereum or what are the big ones. And then they don't do enough homework. They don't get the right signal. And they hear about the next big thing because of some marketing guru dude and it's a rug pull going to happen and they just don't know because they don't, they haven't been here long enough. And it's really sad, but it's the way of the world, but I don't like that deceit. And if there was a way to punish those people or hold them accountable, I would like to see that happen. I'm not in favor of government and the state and, and, and all of that stuff. But I also don't like the fact that people can lie, cheat and steal and get away with it with impunity in many parts of this society, but I don't know. I don't know how to fix much of it so <laughs> yeah i just do the best i can i try to be an honest guy and, and follow through my word and save in the hardest money the world's ever seen so i can benefit personally and my my heirs hopefully you know and mm-hmm. uh when the rest of the world catches up they'll know what we were uh, all talking about if you could go back in time convince yourself about bitcoin the first time you heard about it 
knowing what yeah. you know now, what would you tell yourself and why? However, you can't just say the price is going to go crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did give this some thought. So I learned about Bitcoin the very first time from a friend named John, who I, when he told it to me, I thought it had to do with online gaming, money for online gaming, which I had no interest in. So I literally didn't pay attention. If I could say something to myself, I would say, Jim, John doesn't know what he's talking about. This is an actual money. It's going to improve all of humanity. And it's the thing you've been looking for to make your own life feel fairer. Like you've been getting screwed by the system. You get into this Bitcoin thing, you won't feel that anymore. So pay attention just because what he said, don't listen to the way he said it. Just pay attention and go do some research. Had I done that, 2015, my friend, I would have been getting some three-digit Bitcoin. I would have been, I'd be so freaking wealthy right now. It's ridiculous because I wasted two years. And it wasn't until I saw a documentary uh, in the middle of that. I heard from him, then I saw a documentary, and I still wasn't convinced because it looked too complicated because it was a lot of guys setting up miners in their living rooms. I'm like, I don't know enough, enough about computers. So once again, I ignored it because it just didn't look like anything I could participate in. I didn't understand much of it. And then that whole trust thing with that lady on that Ted talk and that really peaked. And I said, it's the third time I got to, I got to look at this now. So yeah, I would have told myself to don't listen to John (laughs) and go investigate. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's tough to go to think of like what would kind of hook you uh, to go look into it. Like I, I first heard about in 2017 at work when it was kind of running it up to like the, the 15, 20 K level. And I was just like, what is this thing? Like, this is, like this isn't sustainable like so like i just i rubbed it off i didn't even care about it and um it's easy to do it does seem a little surreal unreal and you know if you're not an investor type and you don't generally investigate investments what would make you investigate this one because it's it appears to be an investment you put money in and you take it back out something not to me anymore i put money in and it stays forever i will spend it as bitcoin if i spend it That's my approach. I want to buy this. This is getting units of the new monetary system that the world will use. Get as many units as you can now when they don't buy as much, because if you hold those units, they will buy you more stuff in the future as more adoption takes place. You don't, I don't like to think of it as you, the number goes up, like you get more dollars for your Bitcoin. It's not about that. It's getting more things, purchasing power. The Bitcoin just keeps more and more purchasing power the longer you hold it. So Get rid of the crappy dollars and start, uh, um, you know, accounting for your life in Satoshis. How many thousands of Satoshis did you accumulate? That's a way to look at it. So it's still like over 1500 for a dollar. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good ratio when one day it's going to be one Satoshi for one dollar. One day, $100 million Bitcoin, in my opinion, one day. I think a generation, 20 years, 25, 30 years. I yeah. might see it. I might not. Hundred <laughs> yeah. million dollars for Bitcoin. Hundred million for Bitcoin. There's sixty-five thousand right now. Yeah. Hundred million. I tell it to people that can't fathom it. They can't believe. I I can now finally. Yeah, I can. I can see it too. And I I talk to friends who are you know they're invested in it and they're like that's crazy numbers and I'm like maybe it's a little crazy but like I mean what did the government do this past year and a half? They printed like a ton of money and you don't think they're Brilliant. gonna have they're gonna have to keep doing it. Yeah. And what is that no, going to do to the dollar? Like, well, yeah, forget about the dollar at that, at that point, when Bitcoin's a hundred million dollars, <laughs> right? You won't be using dollars. Right. I say that just as a way for us to think about mm-hmm. how much purchasing power it might have. But basically um, 
the when you think about the entire world needing to use 21 million Bitcoin or less, because we know some are lost, and 100 million units times 21 million, whatever that turns out, there's a number, I, I don't know what it's called, but uh, that's a certain amount of units. That's it. If you have more items on the planet, so I say it this way, the value of Bitcoin is always going to go up because as humans, as a species, we have proven that we create more than we destroy. We have a net more stuff on this planet than we had 100 years ago or 10,000 years ago. And as long as we keep working and we have money, we're going to create more things. And if the units of money that we have never increases, then each each unit has to be able to buy more of the stuff we keep creating. So the stuff actually gets cheaper. This is what Jeff Booth talks about in The Price of Tomorrow, that things actually should get cheaper, but they don't because people manipulate the stock of money, the amount of units. So with Bitcoin, that all completely changes. So $100 million Bitcoin is nothing. People are going to be like, yeah, one set's worth, I, I can buy a hamburger with one set. Well, of course, that's normal. Kids are going to say, yeah, what do you mean? You mean you used to have to pay 20,000 sats for a hamburger? <laughs> and now they're only a dollar? You people were crazy. You spent that much for hamburgers? You know what I mean? Like the kids in you know a century from now are not going to be able to understand what yeah. we've been going through. But yeah, yeah that, there's that's, no reason that's, at all uh, it can't be that much. Yeah, that's something that I talked about in my last uh, recording. Um, and like how, yeah, like a century from now, like, our kids are going to look back and be like, how the hell did they live in a system like that? Yeah. Like, how did we have a monetary system like that? Like these these higher up people pulling the strings on, yeah, yeah, we'll just print money and that's good for everybody. Like, (laughs) just like when we look back in history a hundred years ago and some of the crazy, stupid things that some people did to other people. And we think, why didn't they know better? How couldn't they see it? So plenty of us see it. Plenty of people back then saw it, but some people still get away with crazy stuff. But yeah, Bitcoin's going to change a lot and they, they get to benefit by the turmoil we're going to have to go through by helping get this thing going. But yeah. I don't mind. I don't mind being a pioneer. Yeah, I, I kind of love it, actually. in a weird I don't, way. I don't mind it either. So. Um, so to get to the next question, I guess, what's a book or article podcast that you would recommend uh, for someone brand new getting into space, like something to learn okay. about Bitcoin? So I would say it depends on who they are. So that being said, I don't know who anybody that's listening to this, what they're into. So if you're into finance, you might want to read one thing. If you're into economics, something else. A couple that stood out for me that helped me grasp the overall understanding of governments, monetary policies, uh, libertarian ideology, stuff like that. Um, certainly the Bitcoin standard by Safety Dean Amos, that's a good book for just about anybody. But I happen to really like Atlas Shrugged, which has nothing to do with Bitcoin, but just has to do with society and the way governments work uh, by Ayn Rand. Another book, which is, again, nothing to do with Bitcoin at all, but has to do a lot with economics. But it's a really long book written by Ludwig von Mises called Human Action. Very technical. The average person is never going to read it. But if you take the chance and, and take the challenge, you'll be amazed at the way life really does work, is supposed to work, and how, how broken it is by the interference of uh, the people that control things like within government. A couple other things, article by Vijay Boyapati, uh, The Bullish Case for Bitcoin. I think that's a really well-rounded article for someone to read. Another one called Shelling Out by Nick Zabo. Uh, that one will help you understand the history of money, which is kind of critical thing for you to understand why Bitcoin matters so much. Um, then as far as podcasts, there's so many. But whenever I see something show up in my YouTube feed, 
some of the ones that always I'm, I'm like excited to listen to, I would say anything from Tone Vase, John Vallis, Gigi, Tomer Strolight, Jocko Zuko, Jimmy Song, Marty Bent, Matt O'Dell, Adam Meister, Cedric Youngleman, uh, the Bitcoin Matrix podcast, Stefan Levera, Preston Pish. I happen to really like Tom's, uh, Tom Woods, um, Bob Murphy, libertarian guys like that, Dave Smith. Those guys are all really interesting to listen to. They're not all into Bitcoin like like I am or like we are, but they they help you to understand the larger socioeconomic picture as to why Bitcoin matters so much. So to help get that more rounded understanding of why we're so passionate about making this the world's money, fixing so many other problems. So that's yeah, my big list of a lot yeah, of different that, things. No, it's awesome. And um, I'm, I'm right, right there with you on a lot of them. A few of them I haven't looked into. And I think... I, I have like a handful of books that I've already bought. Haven't had the time to re- read yet. I have two young kids, so it's, it's tough to, uh, tough yeah. to read and um, kind of get the time to read, you know, after they go to bed, it's like, all right, I, I, this is relaxed time. So well, I happen to be more of a listener because I can be doing other things like driving mm-hmm. or shopping in home Depot for construction supplies. So uh, I like to listen to podcasts. I also listen to them as fast as I can handle, usually two X and I can get an hour done in a half hour. And I listen to on some days, eight hours worth of podcasts, but I'm doing it in four hours split up over my day when I'm by myself. Mm-hmm. So I don't read as much as I would like to, because I, I like to read uh, certainly books that interest me, but um, I tend to listen to more things. I, and Audible is really good for that. I've listened yeah. to a couple of books on audio instead of reading them. And, you know, it, you can still get the information. So yeah, definitely. Um, so to kind of wrap up on the show, I guess if you had to give like an elevator pitch for Bitcoin um, to someone like five, 10 minutes, like what would you say to them? So like the suggestion on books and podcasts, uh, I'm not the kind of person to just strike up a conversation in an elevator with anybody. Right. <laughs> um, unless there's something just happened, then it's relevant. But Let, um, let's, let's say they asked you, someone was like, Hey, do you somebody, know about Bitcoin? What yeah. Tell if, me? if I had a hat on and they asked me about it and they, and I had the opportunity and I knew it could be only a couple minutes, I would say something I said to you before, I would say, well, Bitcoin, in my opinion, is the best money ever created. And because of that, it's the best invention, uh, or I call it a discovery, uh, in all of human history. And I would say, and then I would go back and say, um, you know, as a species, we have more on this planet because we had this thing called money that we could trade with. Um, Money is something we call the most saleable good. And what that means is that with money, you can buy anything. But if you think about money as a good, you can buy money with anything. And this thing called money is in between every trade. And that makes it really important. So money as a concept is one of the most important things human ever came up with, maybe the most important. And the best form of it becomes even one step higher. And so I look at Bitcoin as the most important discovery in all of human history. And if I'm right, you're going to wish you investigated this from the day you met me, because this is going to affect your life and the life of your kids and grandkids and everybody beyond you. And I highly recommend you look into it. And if there's anything I can answer right now before we get out at our floor, hit me up and I'll just answer questions. I just would hook them with that if they really wanted to know, uh, because I want them to realize this is, you know, get the idea. This is really big. Um, and maybe more than they understand currently. And I want to give them something really big to think that that they want to go find out why is it that big? And they'll maybe do the extra work. 
You know, like, why did that guy really believe it's the most important discovery in all of human history? What is it about it that that guy felt that strongly about? That's the best I can come up with. Yeah, no, it's it's good. Um, I feel like when I really got into it and really learned about it, like I messaged like my close friends and was like, hey, like you really need to take a look into this and like look into it and like learn about it. Like you're not going to it's not something you can learn about in like 10 minutes or an hour or whatever. Like you got to take time to learn about it. And um, Did some, of them, some of them rubbed it off and they're like, yeah, you know, uh, like whatever. And like, then like, I was, I was like, all right, well, I, I kind of did my due diligence, I guess, like to at least try to get them interested in it. Um, but totally obviously I, st- I still wanted to talk about it and everything. And I was like, all right, maybe a podcast will help. So that's, that's where I am now. Um, yeah. Hey, look, you're making an effort. I think it's great. Anybody that creates content that can help others learn what this is, is, is good in my book. Uh, you know, no matter how many people listen, even if it's just one person is convinced to look closer and it changes their life, then it's worth it. Yeah. You could do a hundred episodes and only change the mind of one person. It would still be worth it. Yeah. And uh, something you touched upon too in there is like, and maybe you didn't touch upon it directly, but it made me think of like, I, I feel like people outside of it hear Bitcoin and they might think like, oh, it's just like a get rich quick thing. And like, in my opinion, like, yeah, you can make like, that's a main driver in it. Like, you know, it's building wealth and stuff. But like, like you said, I don't plan on ever like, like spending my, at least right now, I don't plan on spending my Bitcoin or anything. Like, yeah. I'm really thinking about it for my kids. Like, and it's for them. Like, it, and I feel like that's a different kind of viewpoint. Like it's, it's larger than yourself. Like you're, you're thinking about your like future yeah. generations to come. And like, it's very different from like a, a quick, rich thing, a get quick, rich scheme kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Um, what you will find though, is there will be a day when you'll have to spend Bitcoin only because <laughs> it's the world's recognized money. You'll be earning Bitcoin and you'll be spending in Bitcoin. But your propensity to save will go up. Your want, your desire to want to save will go up because the thing you're saving in can't get debased and will likely have more purchasing power later in life. So people that are working on a Bitcoin standard will become savers more than they are now. And the savings that they save will truly benefit their future as opposed to when you save now and you go to spend it later, it buys you less. Um so I guess to kind of wrap up, you know, where can people follow you, find you, learn more oh. about you, what you have to say? Um, what's the best place? Uh, so if you, I don't know, I guess you'd probably do a search for Surfer Jim, a bunch of podcasts will pop up so you can learn about me through that. But if you want to get in touch with me through Twitter is really the only way. It's the only social media thing that I have. My Twitter is Surfer Jim W. Uh, and yeah, I mean, my DMs are open. So I try to answer people's questions and uh i like interacting with people on twitter so if you you know questions hit me up thanks so much jim for coming on the show you will find in the show notes links to all that was mentioned including where you can find and follow surfer jim shout out to last call monday for the intro and exit music and drawn to heel for the show's artwork you can check both of them out from the links in the show notes. If you got this far, thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And if you feel you have a Bitcoin pitch to tell, I want you on the show. Feel free to reach out to me via Twitter at baby underscore Pat with two Y's and two T's or email me at Bitcoin Pitch Podcast at gmail.com. See you next time.